This is Epic Ordinary Lives Podcast. Welcome to episode 25 of Epic Ordinary Lives, the podcast that looks at every life as though it were a hero's journey. Every single one of us is the star of our own movie that's going on right now. Whether we feel significant or not, we're still the star of this particular show. And that's cool because... No matter how dramatic we feel our lives are or feel that our lives aren't, they're still ours. and They're just ours. And the content of our lives are for us. Which means often when you talk to somebody long enough, you find the, the amazing things that they've done that you never would have known at first glance. And today what I want to talk about is a solo cast. We've had a couple of interviews back to back. My good friend Ben Dawson, followed by my good friend Jim Parker, who actually just so happens both of those guys currently live in New York City. This will be a solo cast that's kind of inspired by something that I just did this week. This is about, this is not about the times in life that are true challenges in the true sense of the word. Not challenges like a doctor's appointment or a diagnosis or a breakup or a loss of a family member or an illness or a financial challenge or any myriad of what you could call real, honest to goodness challenges. This instead is about the vulnerable moments in our lives, the moments where, again, the stakes are not such that we're playing with fire that can, that can ruin our lives. No, I'm talking about the kinds of situations where we have to give a speech in speech class. Maybe we have a first date. Maybe we're in high school and we're about to perform in a football game versus our rivals. Maybe we're 31 years old and we're about to participate in a kickball league. Whatever it may be, I'm not, again, talking about our career or our relationship. I'm talking about another category where we face some vulnerable challenges that don't hold the same stakes, but do hold high anxiety levels. So what in the world am I talking about? This week, actually today at the time of recording this, I had a skit that I did for work in front of all my coworkers, which included a rap. Yes, it was a rap. And, and, this, it was obviously a, a fun and a humorous thing, but it was still something that I sweated bullets about for days. For one, because rapping is such a, uh, 
such a skill set, even if you're not freestyling, which man, if so, anytime you look at a YouTube video, like if, if you YouTube Lynn Manuel Miranda, who is the writer and star of Hamilton, the musical, if you look at his ability on Jimmy Fallon to be given like two topics and go rap on it, go, you know, freestyling, that's amazing. But I'm talking about if you have a memorized rap, you're still speaking very quickly. You're using turns of phrases and you're rhyming and it's hard and it's scary when you're doing that in front of someone. And so, okay, maybe that's not your specific example. And mine is a silly example um, on one hand because it does not hold any particular real life stakes, right? Like, I'm not going to die if my skit, if my, let's just call it my public speaking situation, my rapping, if it does not go well, there's not going to be any real tragedy from that beyond pride. And yet, what was the thing that was on my mind this entire week? What was the thing that I practiced maybe 197 times and the night before it was consecutive it was amazing and there's a reason why things like this people say people say things like public speaking you know people fear death second and public speaking first <laughs> I mean, I, I'll say I get it. I get it. I was in public speaking class in college, but that was a long time ago at this point. That was, that was over, that was a while ago. But, but it's, it's stuff like this. It's that, that interesting category in our lives where, again, we're not fighting for our lives. We're not trying to earn an income for our family. That's a specific kind of stress. But I'm talking more of the Brene Brown kind of stress. Brene Brown, I've mentioned many times on this podcast, but she is a shame researcher. And she really views vulnerability as this key that unlocks any myriad of other things that we want in this life. In other words, being vulnerable, the willingness to be seen, the willingness for your actual self to be seen is a powerful thing that almost nobody wants to do. And that's what doing something like what I did today, that that's what it feels like. It is, it is in one way putting it on the line a few episodes ago, I talked about a boxing match between Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. And maybe you don't care anything about boxing matches. That's okay. The, the point is vulnerability. Again, the point is the willingness to be seen and the willingness to put it on the line. And I'm not aiming to speak of my own silly skit as, as some grand thing. In other words, this is not bragging. It is just merely recognizing just how little of a challenge it is that will get one's heart racing, especially when it's in front of other people, and especially when it's about 
taking risks socially like that, like putting oneself on the line. I was remembering uh, football when I was in ninth grade, I think. In ninth grade, somehow, through mostly a lack of talent and speed and skill, I ended up as a lineman at about 155 pounds. Now, anybody that watches football, and probably most people that don't watch football, know that a lineman should definitely not be a medium-sized or arguably a, this, one of the smaller sizes on the team. No, the linemen are like the gigantic bodyguards. Like, if you're looking at body types, Gaston in Beauty and the Beast is a better lineman than, like, I mean, I was going to say Ichabod Crane, but I don't have an Ichabod Crane frame at all. But anyway, and I remember I was the center. Somehow, I was, for a JV team situation, I was... I was going to be the center. And the if you uh, listen, if you don't know anything about football and you've listened thus far 9 minutes into this, then thank you. And by the way, I don't watch football, but I played football. And the center is the one who snaps the ball to start the play. The center is responsible for beginning every play. And thus the center is potentially responsible for some of the dumbest things that can happen. If you don't snap the ball correctly, if you snap it to the wrong person, if you drop it, there are any myriad of ways that you can mess this up. And I still remember, I I vaguely remember it, but I still do remember it none the same. This was like a scrimmage game in the spring, but... It's what I would be doing. I was going to be playing in that role. And it's so interesting when we look back when we were kids at the recital or at the spelling bee or any of the other vulnerability arenas that we climb into kind of under-equipped for the fear that'll come up there. And I mean, who is equipped for it, right? Why is it? that me doing this thing at work or this football game that I'm remembering that, man, I was probably 14 years old. You know, this is, this is a long time ago. This is 16, 17 years ago. And yet I still remember it because I was scared and not because I was scared for my life or scared for my future, but I was scared of looking stupid I was and 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 that fear and that those those stakes have their own place. And we can say things like, well, if I really knew challenges, then I wouldn't put as much weight in that. And that may be true. You know, like when life is actually really challenging, things like this are small. And I'm not trying to underplay any real life tragedies that people have to go through. But I I do think it's interesting to think about why is it that getting in front of a bunch of people and dancing and rapping or singing or leaping, and some people are really good at it and some people are probably not afraid after practicing it a while. 
But I think probably any performer still maintains some measure of butterflies because it's live, because it's real, it's alive, and and it's it's what uh, Chris Bodie, the trumpet player, calls elevated moments. Elevated moments are those moments when, you know, when, when there's stakes, like recording a podcast, recording an interview with someone, whether you know them or not. If I do know them, there's pressure to make it good because I know them and I know their history. If I don't know them, it's the vulnerability of talking to a stranger. And I guess if there's any point to this particular solo cast of Epic Ordinary Lives, it's talking about the value in this specific sector of one's life. It's amazing how much vitality I felt after today, after it went well, after I got through it more than anything. It reminds me when I was uh, early on in dating and I would try to ask, you know, ask a girl out like in public, like, you know, ask a waitress out or ask someone out who is at Kroger. That's terrifying. It's so terrifying to do things like that. But when you get through them, again, we've talked about this a lot on, on this podcast with the various guests that I've had in 25 episodes. It almost doesn't even matter the outcome. Although if the outcome truly didn't matter, then why would I be nervous? So it does matter, but I think the real juice in that, if, if the squeeze is worth the juice, as they say, it's the fact that, that you get through it. Not the fact that you're successful or not has nothing to do with the outcome. It's all about, did I do it? Did I try? As Teddy Roosevelt would say, am I the one who is in the arena? And am I the man or woman who was willing to get in the arena? I can't remember. There's some country song I remember from when I was a kid. And it's like, I hope, I hope you dance. I hope you dance. When you have the chance, I hope you dance. I don't, I don't, it's, I don't think it's exactly like that. But after you get through moments like this, after, again, I, I think there's so much value in being proud of oneself, not in a puffed up way, not in an arrogant way, in a scared, trembling, and then eventually victorious way. Again, victorious, not because you necessarily won, but victorious because you walked through that corridor because you walked through the maze of that tension, of that vulnerability, of those stakes. And then after that, man, life looks so beautiful. It's like when you find out that you had a good score on a test, or your blood work is good, or whatever, that your grandfather is going to be okay. Whatever it is. It's some second chance at all the stuff that we already had. Getting through something small like that and feel, feeling, feel, feeling that excellent feeling of having gotten through something nerve-wracking, to me, it makes the rest of life more colorful. In a, in a 
day-to-day life that is work and family and all the different things, it's not that hard to create moments like that, elevated moments. You can start a podcast. You can talk to a stranger on the street. You can ask someone out at Kroger or whatever your preferred grocery store is. You can you can do anything where there's those kinds of stakes. And I would be willing to bet that when you got done, when you walked through that, you're going to have enough energy to explode through the roof. Or maybe that's just me. But you're, you're going to feel good even if it didn't go well. I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to be optimistic. But it's a really... It's, it's almost like a cheat code in a video game. It's a shortcut. If you need, if, if one's life needs enlivening, it's, it's a, it's, I don't know. I just, it's amazing how doing any kind of a public speaking thing can show you both things about yourself and also just give you a great opportunity to step in the arena. So this is going to be a short one. I'm releasing this much later in the week when than when this normally comes out because I had that thing kind of riding over me as well as other busy things this week. So I wanted to offer that, and I want to wish you a, a great day wherever you are. This is a Thursday where I am right now. If you want to support this work, you can always go to epicordinarylives.com. And at every episode page, there is an Amazon banner. So if you were going to buy cat toys or sardines or uh, your niece's wedding gift, whatever it is, if you click my link, it will take you to Amazon and you can purchase whatever that item is as you normally would. And I think I get something like 7% back. It's a great way to support this work and the costs associated with getting it done. And finally, if you're listening, of course that means so much. Anybody that puts anything out there, it feels great when people reach out. And thank you to those that have. Man, it means a lot when people do. Thank you. There's there's actually three people I'm thinking of right now. Thank you. And uh, but it, But hey, if you want to take that a little bit further... Writing a review on iTunes, if you today, if you are the one, you will increase you will increase the standing of epic ordinary lives in iTunes. And what greater gift could you give than that? That means a lot. So I'm getting really close to half of a year of doing this, and I'm having to make decisions because I don't quite have uh, the schedule under control. I started a new job this year very recently, so we're going to figure it out. I will either continue to do solo casts or next week you will hear another conversation with an ordinary person who's living an epic life, or there may be a hiatus of epic ordinary lives. We don't know yet. I'm going to figure it out. But again, if you have been on this journey with me, thank you. And Man, whoever you are, wherever you are, have a great day. See you next week. If not, take care.